Are you tired of the cookie cutter approach to education that's stuck in the last century? Are you seeking a win-win situation where your family thrives, your kid's education is revolutionary, and you still get to chase your own dreams? Welcome to Unschooled Unleashed. Unlock your child's genius. I'm your host, Matthew Jarecki, an unapologetic rebel dad and promoter of what many consider to be educational anarchy. You know the world isn't going to be won by those that just toe the line. It's the innovators, the visionaries, and the resilient spirits that are going to thrive. Our mission here is to forge those world changers within our very homes with less stress, energy, and time. Unschooled, Unleashed starts now. Welcome back. Uh, I feel like it's been a while since I talked to you guys. I recorded a couple episodes in advance and put them out there. So I haven't been on the mic in a while, and I almost wasn't able to make it to this one because a while ago I got into a bicycle accident, cracked a tooth. They couldn't do a root canal. I actually needed an implant for it. I put it off as long as I could for a lot of good reasons, (laughs) but I pushed it too far and I rolled the dice and I lost. I got a tooth abscess and I was in incredible pain, incredible pain up until just recently. So I'm recording this now on a uh, Sunday, the day before this episode comes out. Oh boy, it has been a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. So anyways, uh, I was able to put this episode together relatively quickly, but I actually spent a lot of more, a lot more time on it than I thought I would, because I think it's an important topic and um, it isn't wholly focused on unschooling. It's more of one of those meta skills that you're trying to develop in your children, but it's part of the whole holistic aspects that you really want to develop uh, within your children. It's it's one of the reasons we do homeschooling and unschooling is because we want to develop these characteristics. So this is going to uh, help you be able to develop that uh, self-determination in your children, you know, delayed gratification, hopefully some future success. So without further delay, let's dive in. Today we're going to be talking about harnessing the power of delayed gratification. So your kids can be, I don't know, successful in the future. I know that's not the ultimate goal for stuff that we're training our kids for, but it is important. We don't want to see them struggling their whole life or dealing with the same problem over and over again. We want, we want them to be successful in even the material aspects of life. But again, I'm not totally focused on that. I'd much rather have other stuff first. However, it makes life a lot easier, you know? And not that I want my kids to have an easy life because some difficulty can teach lessons, but I don't want them to have to learn the same lesson over and over and over again. And I think that's I think that's good to do. So... As an introduction to this episode, I want to talk about the principle that I'm using um, to justify this episode because we're all we're, we're talking about how to prepare our kids for the future, right? And there, there's little principles I use with my children. Maybe one day I'll organize it and put it out to you guys. But you guys have heard some of this stuff. Uh, these, these principles are how to prepare your kids for the future. And this one that I'm focusing in on today is learn as early as it is safely possible to do so. That's what I want my kids to do. Learn as early 
as it is safely possible to do so. And again, within reason, uh, make make whiz, wise judgments. You got to use your head on this stuff. But uh, what we're going to do with with uh, today's episode is we're going to talk about allowing them to make uh, mistakes and learn from those mistakes when the risk of those mistakes, of, of making a mistake is uh, low. The consequences are not so impactful. They may feel impactful for them, but they aren't going to take away the house or the car or get fired from a job or go bankrupt and stuff like that. It's going to be, I just another cookie today, stuff like that, right? So delayed gratification is what we're going to focus on today under that principle. And I say, this is just all my opinion, right? This is the Unschooled Unleashed Matt Jarecki show. Uh, delayed gratification should start young. Uh, they say dele- delayed gratification emerges in children between the ages of two and four years old, according to my research. And I like to start giving opportunities to learn, meaning I give them the choice and they can make a mistake and get the consequences of that choice, good or bad, when they are young. I think this bears fruit. I really do. Particularly, I want to focus on one study that really opened my eyes about some stuff and really made me focus in on this. It's a study called Attention in Delay of Gratification. Attention in Delay and Gratification. This came out a long time ago. Informally known, you might know it better as the the Stanford Marshmallow Test. And it was conducted by a lead author, Walter Michel, I think is how you say his name. And he's a psychologist and formerly professor at Stanford University where this is where he conducted the study. And the study is important because it was the first to link self-control to success the first to link self-control to success in life. And this is one of the most important studies on how personality influences and predicts success. And that's why I'm referencing it and making such a big deal about it. I've, you gotta watch the videos, by the way. Just Google it and then watch the videos of the kids. They record the kids. And I'm gonna explain the process here, but it's so funny. Um, I I do wanna say before I move on, the the world is often binary. There's two extremes and both give us uh, great results in the right context and also poor results in the right context. So I don't want you as parents to only focus on just one trait that we're trying to give our children. Delayed gratification is just one. Making a decision in the moment and doing something now without thinking too hard about it is also something very important and there's balance within there. This is the delayed gratification portion. So the, that binary system where we're focusing on, on one side of it. I think it's good to develop skills in both. I just want to make sure I say that because there's going to be a lot of criticism. Uh, at least I would have a lot of criticism for someone who says delayed gratification is the only thing we focus on in this. Uh, no, we want a more holistic uh, education for our children. Delayed gratification and being able to make a decision in the moment. You don't want to have to think through everything, but you got to make wise decisions. And that's our, that's our ultimate goal. So anyways, on to the Stanford marshmallow test. This was led by, uh, yeah, psychologist Walter Michel out of Stanford university. And he showcased the essence of delayed gratification in a child's life. It was noted that preschool aged children with the ability to delay gratification as evidenced by their patience to wait for an additional marshmallow demonstrated better life outcomes. Now that kind of sounds silly, but let me explain what this is. So the study was performed in the 60s and the 70s, 
and the results were published in the 80s and the 90s. Here's the process. And again, the videos are hilarious. Put a marshmallow in front of a child at the table, preschool aged, right, two to four, or four years old, I think is what they did. Then tell them, and this is what the researchers did, tell the child that you'll be back in a few minutes, and if they ate the, if they ate the marshmallow, they could not get a second marshmallow. However, if the child waited, if you tell the child, if you wait to eat this marshmallow, when I come back, you'll get another marshmallow, so you'll have two. And then the, re the researchers recorded which children ate the marshmallow and which waited for the second marshmallow. And you'd think the study would end there, but it didn't because that was just the beginning. So now they have this video evidence of who ate the marshmallow, how long it took them, what they did uh, to not eat the marshmallow, stuff like that. And years later, when they were the children were teenagers, they went to the parents and asked them about their cognitive abilities. For, for example, how they handled stress, their ability to exhibit self-control under pressure, stuff like that. They, they also looked at uh, the teens' SAT and ACT scores. Even a few later, later, years later after that, they retested the same group on, uh, on self-control again. Here's what they found. Developing self-control had a major impact on the child's later success in life. This means higher success happened in many forms. Uh, you could interpret it academically and other ways, right? So they got higher SAT scores, lower levels of substance abuse, less likely to be obese, and had overall better social skills and self-control according to their parents. It's like, holy crap, like this seems like an important skill to develop. That's why it got my attention. Uh, again, we can't instill these traits in our children. We can influence it, though. We can give them opportunities to learn from their mistakes, while the mistakes uh, only cause consequences that are uh, minimally painful. It might be big to them, but we know that it's not going to affect them long term. So I chose to start very, very, very early. And I even did the marshmallow test with my kids. <laughs> and... If you wait until the end of this episode, I will tell you what happened. Anyways, uh, oddly, they, they'd had a famous person in the original experiment, too. Her name is Susan Wojcicki. Gosh, I'm Polish and I can't even say it. I think it's uh, pronounced Susan Wojcicki. And she's formerly YouTube CEO. She was uh, the CEO of YouTube from 2014 to 2023. And she was the child who waited the longest. And her mom, Esther, even wrote a book on, uh, a book called How to Raise Successful People. So I haven't read that book. I'm not endorsing it, but thought I'd put it out there. Thought it was very interesting, especially that she was in the original experiment that showed self-control leads to later success. And then you got a, uh, a CEO of a major company. Kind of, kind of odd, right? <laughs> All right, moving on. So I'm going to make another, if you haven't already been convinced, I'm going to make a case for pursuing delayed gratification. The ability to delay gratification is paramount as it transcends into various life aspects such as saving investment performance, even addiction susceptibility, and 
turns out, I mean, there's a bunch of follow-up studies on, on this stuff. Further studies revealed that investors who could delay gratification outperformed the market over a 20-year period, and they had a substantial gap in returns from people who weren't able to do that. There was a study in 2023 that underscored that delayed gratification predicts behavioral and academic outcomes, making a compelling case for nurturing this trait at a very young age. So that's what I'm doing. Now let's move into understanding what delayed gratification is. Delayed gratification is the practice of foregoing a smaller reward now for a larger reward in the future. This ability helps in resisting the temptation for an immediate reward and waiting for a more valuable uh, reward later on. That is why we're defining it. Now, let's talk about strategies because that's what we're really here for, right? So strategies to cultivate delayed gratification. Now, again, the goal is to provide opportunities to learn early. That's my, that's what I do. It's a chance to make mistakes and learn from those mistakes when the mistake, when, when the mistake leads to consequences that aren't severe or as severe as they would be if you were to allow that to them to make those same mistakes as an adult or later in life. So the strategies, uh, the first one is, and this might be in every episode <laughs> at some point, I may mention this as my first step, practice what you preach. Children often mimic adult behavior. In fact, it's the easiest way to teach something. If you want to teach something, just mimic, they, uh, just do it yourself and they'll, they'll mimic you. And you can see this within your kids. When you get angry, they often act like you. When you are intimidated, they often act like you when, when they're intimidated, that kind of stuff. Uh, displaying self-control and patience in your actions teaches your child the importance of waiting and self-discipline. And I gotta tell you, you can't teach what you don't know. So if you don't practice self uh, or delayed gratification, then I mean, it's gonna be very difficult for your children to learn about that. Now, a personal example on how we use practice what you preach is, or how we do that in our family is uh, usually dinner table conversations. I'll talk about some choices I made and why I decided to do what I did. An example might be, an easy example, would be saving some of my dessert from that night so I can have it later. And then I make a big deal about it the next day. Stuff like that, like, oh man, I'm glad I waited. Um, just a little simple thing. Next strategy to cultivate delayed gratification is start small. And again, we're trying to do this as early as possible, as early as we can really get it in there. Because by four years old, they really have this personality trait developed, according to the research I found. So begin with small challenges that require your child to wait for a short period, gradually increasing the waiting period over t period over time. In our family, what we do is we have dessert sometimes with dinner, and we won't have dessert all the time, okay? So this is more of a rare thing. But when we do have dessert, we allow the kids to make a choice on whether they want to save some for tomorrow or just eat, all, eat it all now. And this, every time we have a dessert, we allow this lesson to be learned. 
We're just creating those opportunities to learn and make mistakes and learn from those mistakes, right? Those who don't save some, right? Again, we just put it out there as a choice and one of them decides to do it, right? <laughs> one of my three kids decides to do it. Those who don't save it and they, they eat theirs right then and there, they have to watch the other kid who saved theirs eat it the very next day. Tell me that doesn't make him learn a lesson. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a rough thing to do. But when they complain, when they say it's not fair, we say, well, you had yours yesterday. You could have saved some too. Would, are you going to save some next time? Is that what your plan is? Do you want to go through this again? Those kinds of questions I think are very important and just kind of pointing out the obvious and just leading them through, your, it was your choices that led you to here. And what are you going to do differently to get a different result? And the waiting period is only one day. So that's a great place to start. And then you can do it with other stuff that might be multiple days or eventually weeks and months is, is the goal. But yeah, start small. That's, what, that's, that's one very practical thing that we do right away. The next strategy to cultivate delayed gratification is a reward system. Now, I'm not big into rewards. I have to say this. But first, let me define out what a reward is. A reward is a thing given in recognition of one's service, effort, or achievement. Now, sounds a little ambiguous, but uh, what we want is something on their other end of a choice that's positive that they get because they've made a wise decision, right? To help them get more of what they want or whatever it might be, right? So a personal example, is I wanted my kids to have something very visual that they could focus on, a visual reward. And I've talked about this in the past. We have these money jars, and there's there's three money jars, but the two I want to focus on today are the spend and save jars. Both those jars, so all the money they get, they get some money, they first go over and put uh, the first 10% into give or tithe is what we call it. And then we split the rest 50-50 in uh, a spend jar and the other 50% in a save jar. So in theory, they should be equal if they spent no money. Not even in theory. That's what would happen, right? Uh, and what they're able to do with that is it makes it very, very, very simple. They're able to compare the jars and they can see visually if they didn't spend money on candy every day or whatever they're buying, every day those small little purchases, they would have enough money to get what they wanted eventually. And this came to light to my nine-year-old and eight-year-old more recently when they counted the money in their save jar and found out that they had enough money in there, theoretically, to buy a video game. And if they both would have done that, if they both would have not spent any money because they spent it all on candy for the most part, if they both would have just saved every dollar, they would be able to afford the video game that they really wanted. Now, they ended up getting it a while back <laughs> just because we wanted uh, to get them something. Um, but it was a great lesson, and it, it, they didn't get it when they said they wanted it. They, they, they had to wait quite a while for us to get, get them that video game. But it was one of those moments where they're like, oh my gosh, I ate a whole bunch of candy that they give out for free a couple times a year and 
I could have had a video game, man. And, and we just focused and we talked about what, if you could go back in time, would you change that? You know, you're, you're the future you right now. If you could go back and talk to the past you, what would you say to that person? And they're like, I tell them just to save the money, you know, but I don't know how many lessons we learned from that because I still see him buying a lot of candy. Uh, but you know what? Allow them to make their own choices while the risks are low. And they're still not going to have the money for the video game that they want next if they keep spending like they are. And if they don't w- do their chores and stuff like that, because that's one of the things they've been. We give them an opportunity to do chores additional to their household responsibilities for money. And they haven't been doing a lot lately. So if you're listening, guys, start doing your chores. Anyways, I'm just going to put it on. Do whatever you want. Learn your lessons. <laughs> um. The next strategy to cultivate delayed gratification is visual, let me see if I can say it, visualization techniques, visualization techniques. Uh, This is where we teach children how to visualize in their mind uh, images that that will help them, that that will benefit them to wait uh, it just makes it more tolerable. I'm, I'm defining this poorly. Let me read what I wrote. Teach your child visualization techniques to imagine the benefits they will receive if they wait, making the waiting process more tolerable. All right. Hopefully that makes more sense than what I said originally. Think about this for a second. Visual Visualization techniques. Vision, vision, not, not what we see in our, with our eyes, but what we see in our, in our mind. Vision separates us from the animals. We can see the fu- a future that doesn't exist and make it a reality. Dogs can't do that. Cats can't do that. No one can really do that, but humans. It's what separates us from the animals, and it's really what made us so, made, made us the king of the planet, right? In the Stanford marshmallow tests, kids had to not eat a tangible marshmallow right in front of them for two hypothetical marshmallows that they could not see, smell, or touch. Because that marshmallow that's sitting in front of them might not be there in the future. They have to imagine that there's going to be two just like the one, just like the one sitting in front of them. The hypothetical marshmallows have no smell. You can't see them. You can't taste them. Yeah, and you have to, you have to, Visualize this and say it's worth the wait when there's an actual marshmallow that you could eat right now in front of you. For a four-year-old, that's got to be hard. And for me, I want to get Final Fantasy 16, but it only is on the PlayStation 5, so it's hard for me to wait because I'm looking for a new video game. Something I do in my uh, my free time. But I'm going to wait, <laughs> and that's hard. Anyways, repeated rewards for making decisions that ultimately benefit the children based on their decisions makes this visualization process, you know, seeing the future a little easier. And I think it uh, builds the skills of visualizing the hypothetical future. And it ties it to the choices they made today. And I, I just think that's a great skill to develop. Uh, my own personal example in our family, uh, I often have my kids say, what does your future self say to do? Like when they, when they, get to a point where they have to make a decision. And I just say, why, why don't you check in with your future self? Now you have tomorrow. Tomorrow when you're sitting there after you uh, finish dinner, 
and you're watching everyone else who saved half their cookie um, eat them are you going to be a very happy person with you of the past you of today and if the answer is no I say oh that's interesting <laughs> what do you want to do <laughs> And I'm trying to lead them either way. I want them to be able to make these mistakes. It's easy to make mistakes now and learn from them. Um, let, them let them do what they want. Let them develop at their own rate. You're just providing these opportunities to learn. And uh, I think that's a cool way to do it. Uh, the next strategy to cultivate delayed gratification is discussing the benefits. And I've already touched on this a little bit, but let me elaborate a little bit more. Have open discussions about the benefits of delayed gratification, linking it to real-world scenarios to make the concept more relatable and understandable. That's one of the things we as parents can do to really establish those connections in their head. A uh, personal example is when they do choose to delay gratification, like I'm going to save that cookie for tomorrow after dinner, recognize it particularly in the moment right it's tomorrow and they got the other half of the cookie and they're super happy they saved it ask them if they're ask them if they're happy that they saved the cookie for later while they're eating it i think they're gonna say oh yeah i'm happy and i think that just creates that connection in their head that if i wait there is some benefit Again, it's not the only thing we want to focus on. This is just one aspect of it. I just want to give them the choice. You can, you can ask them uh, when they're walking out of the store with the video game they waited so long to buy. And, you know, they just walked out of the store. They got it in their, their hand. And you're like, you're on your way home. And you go, man, you just saved up for that video game for like six months. That's incredible. And now you get to go home and play it tonight because you did that. That is, that is so cool. Are you excited? You know, and they, they're just like, yeah, I'm super excited. And they just can't stop talking about it. Take advantage of building and reinforcing those neuropathways um, with your voice and, and your actions. You know, celebrate them. I think that's pretty cool. We have uh, the conversation about the benefits of doing something now and waiting on a regular basis. At least we try. We try to look for those opportunities. Again, there's some value to doing it now. But... Uh, this podcast episode is about waiting. So we want to talk about that. Um, challenges. So we're going to talk about some challenges. And really, <laughs> with this, the only one I could think of was impatience, how to address impatience. So allow kids to make mistakes and do not rescue them unless it's unsafe or unwise. And when I say unwise, I mean in your determination, like this is not a good scenario to learn this lesson. This is not a good place to learn this lesson, right? Like you don't want to have them learn at a funeral necessarily. <laughs> like it's just not the time, right? It's unwise to do that. So use your own judgment that I, with that, but allow them to make mistakes. That's the only way I can figure to fight, to combat impatience like that. I mean, you can you, like, you can tell them, okay? And we always tell, I always tell my kids, there's two ways to learn things. One, you can learn from other wiser people. People have been down that road. People you know are wise. Listen to those people. Find a whole bunch of those people. Talk with those people. Keep them in your life. 
ones that you trust, follow what they say, you know, within reason, you, you got to make your own decisions, but go over and like hear them out, get multiple people, compare what they say and make decisions based off that. that that's called the easy way. However, there's another way to learn. And this is often the preferred way by most children and adults for that matter. And that's the hard way. The hard way is where you get to make your own decisions and do whatever you want. You don't have to ask anything about it and you can do whatever makes you feel good. And then you learn the hard way because the consequences teach you. That's why we call it the hard way. It's not the fun way to learn. I tell that to my kids all the time. And we allow them to make uh, mistakes with stuff. We say you can learn the easy way or the hard way, right? They make mistakes. I say when you make it a habit, I, I can't protect you from the consequences. That's when they, when they repeatedly do something. And it's like, hey, learn from my words. They choose not to do that. I said, this was the easy way. Like you're, you're going to have to learn the hard way. I'm going to let you learn the hard way if you insist. I'm trying to tell you with my words, that kind of thing. Things that are like a no-go, like picking on your sister and stuff like that. Uh, what do I got written here? want to make sure I cover everything. I want to short end you guys. Oh, yeah. Making mistakes is better done with a cookie at four years old. And it's hard with a cookie, letting them learn that lesson at four years old. Trust me. But it's better than learning that lesson an $8,000 dollar luxury vacation lesson to Disney on a credit card when the stakes are way higher. Hopefully that makes sense to you. They can learn a lesson at four years old with a cookie, or they can learn that lesson at 35 in a full family and it cost $8,000 and they lost their house because of it. Think about that. And it's the same lesson, but emotionally in their head, it's so much bigger with, I mean, each probably feels very weighted at four years old and you know, at 35 years old. But the, the, the consequences are very, very small, but emotionally weighted when you're four. Whereas the consequences are big and emotionally weighted when they're 35, right? So that's why I say get that early. Stakes just get so high. I mean, if you were to do it as a teenager, maybe they kicked off, get cooked off the team or they do this or that, you could just imagine, right? Now, I wanna make sure you guys understand I'm not an ogre, I'm not a, you know, trying to put my kids through a whole bunch of pain. The goal is to allow them to feel the weight of their outcomes that they created. They created this. This was their choice, positive or negative, right? We celebrate the success. If they made a wise move, cool. If they made a choice that was poor and they got consequences they didn't want or what I'm calling negative consequences, hey, lesson learned. You know, goals to never make the same mistake twice if you can get away with it. Um, what I try and do when they when they learn these consequences or when they experience these consequences, is I try to only allow the minimum amount of pain necessary for them to learn from that choice. The minimum amount is they don't make the same mistake again, or at least think twice before acting. That's, that's what I try and do. Now, I say that, but at the same time, I don't want to rescue. Rescuing them creates a belief that their choices, that the choices they make don't really impact the outcome. It confuses the feedback system designed to help them make better choices. That's what I, that's what I really believe. I think that you, you can look around at the results of the world that you created around you and you can say, huh, my choices led to a lot of this. Now, that's not always true. Of course, we can always 
come up with a million scenarios where that's not true. But there's a lot of ways that is true. And for those ways that it is true, it's very important to have that feedback system saying, oop, not so good. Okay, good, right? You can lower the pain of the of the of their choices, of the consequences of their choices to the minimum threshold to learn as long as it doesn't make them think that you will rescue them in the future because that's what you don't want. That's a dependency. That can be an enabling thing too. You want them to own their decisions, right? You're trying to raise adults. That's what you that's what our goal is, right? You want them to be a fully functional adult in the future, better prepared than any other kid has ever been prepared in the entire world. <laughs> This requires you not to rescue. And that's why I do it early because I don't really want to experience the pain of doing that stuff when they're a teenager, even though I know I will have to. Maybe it'll be less. Gosh, I don't even want to think about that. I don't I want to think about my children losing their house because they impulsively spent the mortgage on a Disney trip either. So I'd rather do it as a teenager. Disney can wait. Um, FYI, most kids in the Stanford marshmallow test distracted themselves to get to the two marshmallows. So just take it for what it's worth. And that's why it's so fun to watch those videos is because they just do ridiculous things. Now, moving on, addressing impatience, uh, you know, overcoming the impatience challenge that we have. A personal example, I've already talked about the cookies and the money jars, but let me go into something else that's been a very helpful tool to help my kids learn. They see it just as a cool experience and although that's one of the purposes um it, it's 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 multi-purposed we give kids what we call a freedom day now i know it's a silly name i could come up up with anything better at the time but i'm giving them the freedom to make their own choices it's one day a week where they will make all their own decisions within reason of course things like where they spend their time what they eat uh, whether they have to go outside, because sometimes that's a struggle, stuff like that. They get a whole day to stay in their pajamas if they want, and they love it. And I think back to my childhood, Saturday mornings with cartoons and eating sugar-filled cereal, you know, was the thing. And um, yeah, I wanted to kind of recreate that. I thought that was a really cool thing, but... Uh, we're calling it Freedom Days because we're trying to also teach lessons with it, but also make it a really cool experience, right? So Freedom Days are, a, this is what I tell my kids because that's what it is. Freedom Days are a celebration for being a big boy or a girl. Freedom Days are a celebration for being a big boy or big girl. If they generally make wise decisions all week, they're rewarded with the Freedom Day, right? So if they're a big boy or a big girl, hey, you have shown a lot of maturity this week. And, you know, we're just going to let you run free. <laughs> Do whatever you want today. No, don't change out of your pajamas. We don't hang it over their head, but we reward it like real life. Like if you uh, were able to, I don't know, eat healthy all week, you might go over and break your diet once in the evening with uh, something that you really do like. Or maybe a whole day of it. I'm not quite sure. Uh, speaking of diet, it, in relation to Freedom Day, it's it's... And, and one of the re ways we use it, I said we, we use it, uh, they're allowed to make decisions on where they spend their time, what they eat, and if they have to go outside, stuff like that, like physical activity, right? One of the reasons we did it is 
is because of those things. Like those things all have lessons within them. It's hard to connect their decision to uh, eat poorly to poor health as an adult because they could eat whatever they want right now and they're not going to have a heart attack. The doctor's not going to pull them inside. You're going to die in a year if you don't fix this, right? So what we did is we created these artificial constraints around it. Um, artificial, maybe consequences is a better word. And with the Freedom Days and the kids choose what they eat. However, they must eat healthy all week. So they choose what they eat on Freedom Days, whatever it is. And they can eat powdered donuts all week or all Freedom Day. But if they eat healthy all week, you know, within reason and not complain about the food they're getting, they get a Freedom Day to eat whatever they want. And it teaches them self-discipline. They don't complain about the food. They eat the food on their plate. It, you know, leads to delayed gratification. And as adults, my hope as adults is that they feel empowered to avoid unhealthy foods as a habit. Because they're, they, they're used to making choices about their food, which I think is very important in the future. It's important right now. Um, so I thought that was a cool way to uh, allow them to make choices around the food they eat and feel consequences without artificially creating something that's super disconnected. This is connected. Hey, you're a big boy. You ate healthy all week. You didn't complain when we had carrots and whatever else. You just ate it. Great job. You know what? I think you can eat whatever you want. You're a big boy. Make your own decisions. There you go. Um, moving on, uh, it's hard to convince you know, we, we, we talked about on Freedom Days, the kids where they spend their time. Well, guess where kids choose to spend their time given an opportunity? If you say, do anything you want, just take a guess in your head right now, what you think kids will do. If you guessed screens, you'd be right. Now that can be video games, watching movies or shows, whatever it might be. In my day, it was just video games and, and cartoons but now it's a lot of stuff. Uh, it's hard to convince a kid that video games all day is probably not a healthy habit for a child or anyone for that matter. However, Freedom Days give them unlimited screen time. They see uh, that they would probably choose this in a vacuum, right? That they would choose the seven days a week if they could. And when they beg for a day full of screens, I point out that all those cool stories that they've made would never be made if we have Freedom Days every day. Books that they love, would never they would have never found if they played video games all day and had Freedom Day every day. Friends would never be made. Dances would never be done. The dog doesn't get as much ten attention. All things that would be sacrificed if they lived a life on screens only. I like to point that, that out as well as... Uh, We do uh, one week where they're allowed to be on screens 24-7 if they want. Well, I mean, until their bedtime. And that's the week between Christmas and New Year's. And I, I make it a point to tell them during that time, our video game, like, our video game's great right in the beginning. Our video game's great? Is this great? And they're like, oh my gosh, this is fantastic. We got a whole week of this. And we celebrate it, right? It's Christmas, and now we got all the way up to New Year's, and they can do whatever they want. Every day's a Freedom Day for a week. By the seventh day, you're, it's yep, another uh, day of video games. And I'm like, you guys excited? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, you don't seem as excited as uh, in the beginning. 
And then we talk about the lesson. I say, if you were to play video games every day, video games aren't as fun. If you were to watch movies all day, after a while, movies aren't as fun. So it's just another opportunity that we use uh, to teach them that really kind of pausing from that, you know, the delayed gratification actually makes it worth it sometimes. Uh, in addition to video game stuff, we have what's we, what we call uh, multiple no video game nights in a given week. And I find that scheduling stuff out, like we let them choose when their freedom day is as long as we can accommodate and when their no video game nights are, are uh, we allow them to choose all this. Collectively, they decide which nights not to have no video games. And some nights they choose to have a video game night, even though they would only be able to play for like 30 minutes. And if they were to just push it to tomorrow, they would be able to play for hours. We let them make this decision. We point it out and they say, no, it's worth it. It's worth it. We let them do it as long as they agree. And the next day, if they complain about it, we point out that it was their decision. <laughs> and I found that that's, uh, man, it's so much easier when they're making all the choices and you just say, you're the one who chose this. <laughs> they don't really have a leg to stand on when that happens. I also said on Freedom Days that kids decide if they have to go outside or not. Because uh, kids, at least my kids, want to stay indoors all the time, even if the weather's beautiful. And I tell them they got to get outside and exercise, da 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 Well, on Freedom Days, they can make the choice whether to go in and just stay inside or go outside or whatever they want to do. All other days besides Freedom Day, our goal is to get outside, get some movement in. It's a constant conversation. Uh, however, too much pushback and they lose their ability to make this choice on their own. And then we go over and make every day the same, which is us taking control, not the children. Uh, when we take control, we're going to make decisions that are for their benefit, but we have to make it sustainable. So we have to do it around our schedule and stuff like that. Uh, whereas if we have them choose when to go outside, if we have them choose to do it six days a week, just not on Freedom Days, you know, play, do whatever you want. I don't care. Just go have fun. Otherwise, you're going to go for a walk with us because that's what I mean, me and my wife do. Um, they go, oh, no, no, I, th I think I'm going to do this. And they make choices. They make the choice to go out their side, go outside on their own. And then they don't have to do it on their freedom day. Uh, yeah, so freedom days are multi-purposed. Uh, but delayed gratification is one of the biggest lessons I hope they take away from having when from having these uh, freedom days. Also, it cuts down on the complaining during the week. I, I really, it's been a godsend uh, because it was... It was their choice to eat healthy. It was their choice to limit screen time. It was their choice to go outside every day. All that stuff. All in the name of later I get something bigger and better that I want. And I know I want it. And I love Freedom Day. So I'm going to make this decision. So we, every week we're having that in, in the multiple ways what we do. No video game nights included. Um, I think that's good for today's episode. It looks like we ran, wow, really long. I'll try and keep these around 25 minutes or so, but uh, apparently really bad at that anymore. <laughs> so to give a quick 
uh, summary of what this episode was. So cultivating delayed gratification is a long-term investment in your child's future success. Not only sets the stage for academic success, but also fosters crucial life skills like patience, self-control, and long-term planning. And again, academic success to us as unschoolers isn't that big of a deal, but uh, at least not until college. But, uh, you know, at some point it will be. At some point it will be if they choose to go to college or if they choose to go to any kind of school. So I think with that, we'll wrap up today's episode. So stay curious, stay unschooled, and stay away from the algebra nightmares. Catch you in the next episode. Parents, are you terrified your unschooled child isn't learning enough? Or are you a homeschooling veteran eager to level up by incorporating in unschooling principles? Maybe you're newly venturing into homeschooling and already doubting your decision. Whatever the stage, overwhelm is real, but it doesn't have to be. I'm Matthew Jarecki from Unschooled Unleashed, and I've got huge news. I'm thrilled to introduce Homeschool Rescue, Unschooled Unleashed's signature coaching package. Whether you're all in on unschooling or just dipping a toe, this tailored coaching package is your roadmap to a confident and thriving education no matter how hectic life gets. Bold moves make bright futures. Join our homeschool rescue coaching program through the link in the description and set your child's genius free. So here's where we roll up our sleeves and bring out the big guns. If you support our mission, then please leave a review. On Unschooled Unleashed, we are talking about using a radical approach to education in today's world. And the more five-star reviews we have, the more people will feel comfortable with the ideas, strategies, and principles we discuss. It gives legitimacy to our message and the podcast's algorithm prioritizes us so we can reach more people. You may even have your five-star review read on our podcast. Before I let you go, I have to pause and say this from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Your presence here is the fuel that ignites this movement. I am incredibly moved that you trust in us enough to click play. You, my friends, are the caped heroes in this story, the guardians of your family's learning journey, and a beacon of hope for your community. Be bold. Do what you think is best for you and your family. Thanks again for tuning in and taking this courageously outside of the box for this educational revolution. Welcome to the front line.